This podcast was sponsored by Mutual Insurance Company of Arizona. Mike is the select provider of medical professional liability coverage for the Maricopa County Medical Society. For more information about MICA, call 602-956-5276 or visit www.mica-insurance.com. Hello, this is Dr. May Moti, a pediatrician and urgent care physician who has been in practice in the Greater Phoenix area and Scottsdale since 1991. I have been a member of Maricopa County Medical Society since 2001 and I'm the immediate past president for Maricopa County Medical Society. I'm a clinical associate professor at University of Arizona College of Medicine, and I welcome you to the Arizona Physician Podcast. I really do think that at any level of wealth, you should be talking to somebody about what's going to happen when you die. Thank you for joining us today for another episode of the Arizona Physician Podcast. I will be your host for this episode, Edward Araujo, Communications Coordinator of the Maricopa County Medical Society. First, we want to thank you all for your continued support of Arizona Physician uh, Podcast. Second, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe today. In today's episode, our guest will be Bailey Toko, CPA, CFP, Managing Director at CBIS, one of the nation's leading providers of professional advisory services. Bailey has over 15 years of experience in providing tax consulting, planning, and compliance services to diverse groups of clients, including business owners, high net worth families, and physicians. Bailey also wrote an article in the summer 2020 issue of Arizona Physician, Why Now is the Time to Rethink Your Estate Plan. Welcome to the podcast, Bailey. We appreciate you joining us. Hi, Edward. Thank you for having me. So... Tell us a bit about estate plans. What are they and how are they beneficial to all, let alone physicians? Well, an estate plan is really just choosing what happens to your property and any other assets that you own when you die. So it's not real complicated, but they become more complicated as you add assets or as um, you have more income throughout your lifetime. So a good estate plan may also include things like instructions for if you become disabled, uh, healthcare power of attorneys, mental healthcare power of attorneys, guardianship for minors, uh, provisions for family members with special needs, possibly life insurance. So they're beneficial because they really give you a choice of what happens to your assets after you're no longer capable of making those decisions on your own, whether that become because of disability or because of death. And they really, the reason they're important is because they relieve your heirs from having to make those decisions on their own without guidance from you. And having it all documented allows your heirs to know what your wishes are and and gives them the opportunity to make sure that they can fulfill your wishes after you're no longer able to, to, to guide them. I see. In your article in the summer 2020 issue, Why Now is the Time to Rethink Your Estate Plan, you mentioned the pandemic event or just an event of this magnitude as an opportunity Why is that? Right. So um, the reason that this event has been so impactful, well, there are many reasons, right? But 
the reasons for estate planning, I think of them as three different, three different opportunities. So the first opportunity is because we've got these large market swings in the economy, it gives us the potential for lower asset values. And we have the opportunity to give assets away at a value that's depressed versus a higher value that potentially maybe a year ago you, were, you would have been giving away an asset at a higher value. Secondly, we see every day on the news that we're heading into election season, and so there's always opportunity or potential opportunity when we have a change in administration. Presumably, or there could be some sort of tax upheaval. I know that we've, we've heard on the news that um, the candidate, that some candidates or that Biden might be, would be interested in changing our estate tax laws and reducing them significantly. Currently, our estate tax laws and gift tax exclusions are about $11.5 million per person or $23 million for Mary filing jointly. So if that changes significantly next year or if Biden were to win over the next four years, then that, their opportunity now is to give more now while we still have these high estate tax exclusion amounts. And then um, and lastly, which I, I quoted in the article and, and talked about in the article, is the CARES Act, which was enacted in March, gave us an opportunity for some charitable giving opportunities, which we hadn't previously had. So for those that are interested in philanthropy, it really gives them some flexibility to do more significant giving this year in 2020. Could you explain a valuation change forecasting? Why is it important for an individual with real estate holdings or those that uh, own closely held businesses, such as small practice physicians? Sure. So kind of how I re referenced before, as it relates to estate planning, valuation changes allows you to give away assets at, at a lower value or a potential lower value. So when you give something away, it's valued at the current fair market value in general. So when we have values that are depressed, we can give assets away at a lower value. So for instance, if you have a piece of real estate that one year ago was worth maybe a million dollars and was an income producing asset, so it was, it was being rented, but maybe over the last few months, you've worked with your tenants and you've given them maybe a rent reprieve. And perhaps today's value, based on current market conditions and your rent reprieve, maybe it's significantly reduced, maybe 700,000. If you were to give that asset to your children through a trust or some other uh, other vehicle, the gift would be $700,000 versus the million dollars it would be last year. And so we're using that opportunity, that value depression, to give something that likely is going to come back because you know we're assuming in this example that it's a rental property and typically you have really positive cash flow and and that you would want your heirs to have it, but because of this opportunity, you can actually use less of your exemption. So under this assumption, you'll only be using $700,000 worth, worth of your lifetime exclusion amount, um, but you would have previously used you know, a few hundred thousand more. And then, so the same thing works for a business. So if you were to do the same thing with an operating business, you could do so. You would look at evaluation and, you know, typically an operating business may have more uncertainty. And so you may actually be able to get a lower or a more discounted price for, for purposes of giving if you were to give a, an actual operating business versus my example of, of real estate. 
I mean, is there like a general current time frame that you know you would be looking right now at depressed, uh, you know, valuation right now? Well, I mean, I think that a depressed. If we don't really know. I mean, it really depends on the current market, right? So it depends on how long this is going to last. But, you know, because of the other factors that I talked about earlier, being the, the possibility of a change in, in, in administration, um, I would say that you're, you would want to make the, do the valuation sooner rather than later because there's always the potential for a change. I see. Uh, so can you tell us uh, how the CARES Act, you know, made things more favorable for estate planning? Sure. So the CARES Act um, did two, two things. So the, the smaller thing that the CARES Act did was it allows a $300 charitable contribution for what's called an above-the-line deduction. So that means that if you don't itemize and you give $300 to a qualified charity, you can deduct it. Whereas previously, if you didn't itemize, you got no benefit for making a charitable contribution. So that's small. Um, and I, I would say most of your, the physicians listening would probably itemize, but perhaps not. And so then the larger opportunity where I've actually had some really great success in planning with some clients is the limitation on adjusted gross income has increased for 2020 to 100%. So what that means in, in non-tax lingo is generally the current rule is that you can deduct up to 60% of your income in charitable contributions. So to give you an example, if you had $100,000 of income and you gave away $60,000 for charity, you could deduct that full $60,000 and your taxable income would be $40,000, but you can't exceed that sixty. dollars Well, the CARES Act enacted a new rule that for 2020, you can deduct up to 100% of your income. So if you have large philanthropic pledges or lifetime pledges that you've committed to a charity of your choice, you can make contributions, cash contributions, up to 100% of your income. And so what we've done, what I've done with a couple of clients, is that they've had some large lifetime goals, philanthropic goals and pledges, and we've actually strategically distributed money from um, either IRAs or other retirement account accounts or um, just use their current income to 100% offset their their 2020 income so they won't actually pay any tax for 2020 and they're also fulfilling lifetime goals and philanthropic pledges at the same time that they would otherwise be able to would be doing over a period of time and so it, it, it's a strategic plan in order to give them to meet those philanthropic goals and of course you know 100% of your income that has to be for the right person right I mean, right. most of us can't give away 100% of our income in one year, but, but for, for those that are, I would typically think, in, later in their careers or that, that are able to kind of commit that or that that's part of their lifetime goal and it's really just a planning opportunity, it's been really fun and, um, and really exciting to help, help implement that. Uh, it's a great opportunity. So, it's uh, a really great opportunity. 
So will this continue or is this just here for 2020? I think it's here for 2020. I would have to confirm. We may be able to do it for 2021 as well. I see. But the 100% is for cash contributions only. So a lot of advisors talk about giving appreciated stock for charitable contributions as well. But um, this is only for cash contributions. Okay. Well, uh, after the break, we will discuss why individuals such as physicians should meet with an estate planner. Plus, Bailey will share with us uh, some estate planning recommendations. This podcast was sponsored by Mutual Insurance Company of Arizona, the select provider of medical professional liability coverage for the Maricopa County Medical Society. As a physician-led mutual, MICA has been Arizona's choice for medical professional liability insurance for nearly 45 years. We provide value to members with superior claims handling and exceptional risk management programs. Call us today for a quote or visit our website to learn more about MICA's premium coverage options and outstanding service. 602-956-5276 or www.mica-insurance.com. So thank you for joining us today on this episode of the Arizona Physician Podcast. Our guest is Bailey Toko, CPA, Managing Director at CBIS. So Bailey, uh, at about how much net worth do you believe that an individual such as a physician should begin to meet with an estate planning advisor? Well, so maybe this might seem like the wrong answer or not what I what people want to hear, but I really do think that at any level of wealth, you should be talking to somebody about what's going to happen when you die. So all of us... You know, unless you are really, really very unfortunate, but I would think most of your listeners have some level of assets. And whether that's cash in a bank account or a brokerage account or maybe just your home or, you know, hopefully more than that, they're working toward more than that. I do think it's very important that people have a plan for that because as we talked about at the beginning of the show, that, you know, an estate plan is really not just for the wealthy. It's for anybody who has assets. In particular, an estate plan encompasses if you have children or people in your life that have special needs, it includes covering those, those as well and making sure that there's a plan for those when, when you pass away. So, uh, you know, any final recommendations you, know, you might have for beginning, middle career, end of career physicians, you know, regarding estate planning? Sure. So I would say, you know, at the beginning of your career, particularly if you're a physician, you're likely overwhelmed and tired and it can be difficult to spend time on anything other than work. But I do recommend that you take a few minutes to make sure that you, one, start building a relationship with an advisor that you can trust. And, you know, from a financial perspective, really start maximizing your retirement assets early. If, if anything, I, I think that that's very important. I do that for myself and for my, you know, for my family. But the younger we are when we start contributing to our retirement plans, the better off we will be long term. And the and so the more you can do that in the beginning of the, your career, the better that you will be long term. As you reach the middle of your career, you're likely in the in the marriage and family stage. So it might be important for some people to discuss pre or post marital agreements to identify assets in case of a divorce or separation. And then in addition to that, identifying guardians of your children in case of a premature death is very important. And then also in the middle part of your career, you may want to start considering life insurance. 
So term life insurance can be really inexpensive for people that are sort of in the middle, you know, their 30s and 40s, because most of the time we're, we're younger and more healthier. And the planning as it relates to term insurance can be really good with children and with young families. So for instance, you can plan the amount of insurance that you have to cover in case one parent dies prematurely. And so let's say that, you know, my husband and I, um, we both have have um, insurance on one on one another, and one of us passes prematurely. Well, I want to make sure that if I pass away prematurely, that one, our mortgage is paid for, two, that my two children are covered for their university experience. Right now, they're young, but I want to make sure that that because we won't have my income right now, we'll be able to cover them going to college. And then finally, I want to make sure that, you know, my, my husband will have to take care of my two young children if I pass away. Maybe I want to make sure that I also cover their, my replacement salary for a few years so that he can get back on his feet or he'll have some time to make sure that he's with my kids. So there are, there are ways, and I do think that that's really important for young families. Most of the time we don't think about insurance as something that's for, for young people, and we think about it in death. But there are, there are times when young families can really benefit from, from having that, that option, and it's really not that expensive. So talking to an insurance advisor about that. And then finally, as you age and move toward the end of your career, it's important to talk to, um, you know, maybe a financial advisor, your CPA, somebody to talk about retirement planning and how are you going to retire, rather than just deciding one day that it's retirement, but kind of building that as a plan throughout your career and how, do, how are we going to do that? What, how much money do I need when when I retire? What are my goals when I retire? How, do I want to travel? Do I want to have two homes? You know, do I want to, you know, take care of my, do I have sort of um, children that still need supporting? Do I have grandchildren that I want to support? Are there philanthropic goals that I want to meet? So all of those things and really building a financial plan around those goals is really important as we approach retirement and the ending of our career. So gathering all of that up in one place and and making sure that you have metrics and and that you have a plan for that retirement phase. And then as as, um, as sort of we started the conversation, also reviewing your estate plan. So not only thinking about the financial part, but as you age, you, of course, become closer to the point in time when when that estate plan is more important. Um, But, you know, your estate plan should be flexible and it should be reviewed on a regular basis. So it's not something that just, you know, you do it once and then you're done forever. Once, you know, you're at the end of your career, you need to start reviewing that every few years. And then in particular, you know, in 2012, we had major estate law uh, changes. And so, Thereafter, you know, we need to make sure that people are reviewing. Every time I meet with my clients, I'm telling them, you know, have you reviewed your estate plan in the last few years? If yes, great. If no, then you probably should be meeting with an attorney and reviewing that. So really, those are sort of the three things, three stages of, of your career um, that I think are important and some, just a few pointers of things that I would consider during those stages. I see. And have you been seeing uh, more, um, you know, early stage, mid stage career physicians or, or people of that nature becoming that much more involved or at least having starting to have those conversations about estate planning? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And 
Um, you know, I do think that, you know, physicians are smart and they generally what they want to make money and they want to, they, they're hard workers. And, and I, I do think that people are interested in, in how do I plan for the future, both from a financial perspective and from a family perspective. And uh, estate planning is definitely something that, that I'm, and, and also I encourage them to. So I, I'm encouraging people. I don't just talk to my old clients about estate planning. I talk to my young clients about estate planning too because it's super important for all the reasons that I just mentioned. It's not just a one-time-fits-all one kind of situation. We have to plan for it as a long-term and start getting people involved younger, just like retirement. You know, make sure that you're contributing to your 401k or other retirement vehicles when you're young. Same thing with the estate planning. Make sure that you're considering, you know, premarital, postmarital, um, guardianship, all of these things as you move through all of these stages of your life. And I do think that physicians are becoming, are, you know, the younger physicians are getting more involved in that. And they're having opportunities, ownership opportunities right away. And it's all strategic and it's all part of that plan. I see. So if physicians um, have any other questions, concerns, or want to learn more uh, about estate planning, uh, how can they reach you? Um, you can reach me at my, um, on my phone. is 602-308-6651. Or my email is btoco at cbiz.com. Or you can visit the CBIZ website, which is www.cbiz.com backslash PHX. I want to first thank you all for joining us on this episode of the Arizona Physician Podcast. Uh, next, I want to uh, thank uh, Bailey Toko, our TPA Managing Director at CBIZ, for coming on this podcast and sharing her expertise with us here on the podcast and her article contribution, of course, in Arizona Physician Magazine, uh, summer 2020 issue uh, named Why Now is the Time to Rethink Your Estate Plan. Thank you all. Founded in 1892, Maricopa County Medical Society is a strong collective physician voice. Thank you for listening to the Arizona Physician Podcast.